when you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Right, thanks for that, Gabe. Let me get myself organised here. Cool. So, good morning, Pathway. My name is Ryan, and I'm going to take us through today's Bible passage. And, yep, you guessed it. We're talking about fasting. Now, the concept of fasting is not too unusual for most people this day and age. Fasting is simply depriving yourself generally of food or water, um, and it can be done for spiritual reasons, it can be done for physical reasons, and even mental or emotional reasons. It can be promoted as a healthy detox and an aid to weight loss. It can be about mastering the mind, being in discipline and in control of your desires. It can be done to, to aid in emotional connectedness with yourself and your spirit. Fasting is done by many, many people, those of faith and those not. not working, Mike. You said you were going to do this. <laughs> it is on, yes. Okay. All right, you can just click through it then, Mike. Anyway, we're not, don't worry about the PowerPoint. So, what is biblical fasting really all about? Should we as Christians do it? Do we need to do it? Is it essential? And what is its purpose? So as I mentioned, fasting can be done for a whole bunch of reasons. And the reasons I mentioned about diet, discipline and emotional connectedness, however, are not really what the Bible teaches. This morning I want to lead us through what biblical fasting is, what is its purpose and is it relevant to us today? So why fasting, you might be wondering. Well, it actually came out of a, a discussion that we had in my small group during the Acts series we did a few, week, a few months ago. So when reading Acts, it's pretty easy to see that the concept of fasting is a pretty significant part of the brand new shiny Christian church in the New Testament. So our small group had a good chat about, about fasting and we all concluded that fasting is not typically taught in a modern day church. It's just not spoken about much in Christian circles, at least in my own experience. Now, it isn't something that's as commonly spoken about as prayer or worship. And I think even topics like, dare I say it, politics, money or sex are actually talked about more than fasting. I do want to say from the outset, though, that this is a bit of a tricky topic to cover and there are many here, including myself, who might struggle with the concept of fasting or perhaps even have the wrong idea of what it's all about. Maybe it's the first time you've come to church or the first time you're giving God some thought. I hate to say this, but this might be a bit of a weird church service for you. I'm not saying this is not for you, not at all. I'm so, so glad you're here. But just don't be surprised if you don't necessarily make sense of all of this this morning. I certainly still have a lot of questions. So, so the more I delved into biblical fasting, the more I realised there is so, so much to cover on this topic. 
There are many different ways and reasons that people fast in the Bible. And we simply don't have the time to dive into each and every single one of those today. So we'll cover fasting pretty broadly this morning. But hopefully we'll all leave here having a greater desire to know God more and a better understanding of what fasting is and, a, and its purpose and some ideas and how we can partake in it. So as I don't know everything that there is to know on this subject, or any subject for that matter, I've used quite a lot of John Piper's work, uh, both on his website, desiringgod.org, and a book that he authored called A Hunger for God. So these are not all my ideas you'll be hearing this morning. Typically speaking, the world we live in and the church we're a part of is not exposed to the concept of fasting much. We have some understanding of what it is, but do many people do it? Hmm. So perhaps you know that it's in the Bible and you might know something about it, but you think it's a little bit radical. Maybe you think it's not for you. Only the crazy or the extreme Christians are the people who fast. Perhaps you've fasted before. Maybe you're fasting now. Maybe you've heard lots and lots about biblical fasting before. Maybe it's never, ever crossed your mind. Wherever you find yourself this morning, please have an open mind to what God wants to say to you, to me, to us this morning. Let's ask God for that now. Would you join me in prayer? God, this morning, we want to hear you speak. Would you open our hearts and give us an understanding and would you guide our thoughts and actions here today? Lord, we want more of you in our lives. Would you speak to us this morning as we get into your word, as we praise your name and as we encounter you here? Thanks for who you are and thanks for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So to kick us off, I want to further explain my introduction. Fasting is just not talked about much. It just doesn't seem to have made it into most Christians' lives, mine included. So this quote from John Stop, Stott sorry, seems pretty applicable. He says this about the Bible reading that Gabe just read us uh, this morning. Still not working, Mike. <laughs> I, I don't want to read the quote, but again, you can see it. You, okay. You can see the quote now, so that's good. It says... <sighs> it's broken. All right. <laughs> lucky, we're a, lucky we're a grace community, Mike. <laughs> anyway, so John Stott says this. Here is a passage of scripture that is, which is commonly ignored. I suspect that some of us live our Christian lives as if these verses had been torn out of our Bibles. Most Christians lay stress on daily prayer and sacrificial giving, but few lay stress on fasting. So this morning, we're going to look at it. To use Stott's words, we're going to lay stress on it. We're not going to ignore it, so here goes. I guess in my mind, at least, it makes sense to start at the start. Is fasting something that we should even do? Are we, the modern-day Christians, told to do it? Or is it just something that you know, the olden-day believers did? Next, Mike. All throughout the Bible, there are many examples of fasting. I won't go into details here, but there are a bunch of stories in the Old Testament of people who are agonising over something. Perhaps someone was sick, they faced a threat from an enemy, or a really big decision had to be made. So the one thing that they did, or one thing they did, was they fasted. They sought God and let him move. Moses, David, Elijah, Esther, Daniel, and many more throughout the Old Testament fasted. Perhaps you're thinking, ha that's the Old Testament. Things have changed since then. Yeah, you're right, some stuff has changed, but 
Fasting has not. The New Testament has numerous accounts of people fasting. Throughout the book of Acts, as I said earlier, we see church leaders fasting and in prayer. Paul fasted and prayed often and encouraged the other believers to do it as well. Jesus himself fasted and taught about it. In fact, what did Jesus begin his ministry by doing? By fasting for 40 days in the wilderness. So Jesus fasted. As Christians, are we not, are we not all about wanting, uh, desiring to be more like him? So if you look at me now with, at Matthew 6 as a whole, starting at verse 1, if you have your Bible open, follow along with me. So starting at the beginning of chapter 6, we can see that Jesus assumes his followers will give to the needy. So that's in verses 1 to 4. Then Jesus assumes his followers will pray in verses 5 to 15. So I think we can all pretty easily agree that being generous and prayer are good things to do as a Christian, right? Nodding heads? That's good. You know what though? Jesus carries on this same theme and he assumes his followers will fast. So that's in the verses we read this morning. Jesus doesn't command us to fast, but the way he speaks about it does assume that it is common practice in the life of a Christian. Look at the very first word in today's Bible passage. Using the word when, not if, in a sentence shows very clearly Jesus' assumption that fasting is going to happen. Now the same notion of when, not if, is also seen in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 and 15, where Jesus is questioned by John the Baptist's disciples about fasting. And it says this, so this is John 9, 14 and 15. Then John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we, John's disciples, and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? So Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. Now we don't have time to unpack this passage this morning, but just notice the wording. Check it out for yourself. So Matthew 6 doesn't say if, but when. Matthew 9 doesn't say they might, but they will. So it would seem that fasting is biblical. The Old Testament believers did it. Jesus taught about it and did it. Paul did it. The early church leaders did it. It looks to me like it's something we should at least consider, right? What now? Fasting is more than just not eating. Before we all go and starve ourselves or deprive ourselves of something without knowing what it's all about, Let's dive into what the purpose of fasting is. Maybe you're wondering, can you fast from anything or is it strictly going without food or water? Well, J.I. Packer, another a well-respected theologian, really simply and helpfully explains fasting in this way. I'll ask you, Mike, to click the button. So this is a quote from J.I. Packer. He says, We tend to think of fasting as going without food, but we can fast from anything. If we love music and decide to miss a concert in order to spend time with God, that is fasting. It is helpful to think of the parallel of human friendship. When friends need to be together, they will cancel all other activities in order to make that possible. There's nothing magical about fasting. It's just one way of telling God that your priority at that moment is to be alone with him. Sorting out whatever is necessary and you have cancelled the meal, the party, the concert, or whatever else you had planned to do in order to fulfil that priority. So Packer is simply saying it's a priority thing. You choose to prioritise God instead of having dinner. You skip the party to spend time in prayer. 
essentially saying that you desire God more than any of these things. So much so that you actually choose to do something about it. So fasting is not just being hungry or turning the TV off or logging out of our social media accounts and going about life as normal. Biblical fasting is always connected, and, uh, connected to seeking God in prayer and or worship. There are a lot of ways fasting can provide opportunities to seek God. An obvious one is time. The process of eating, for example, starts, when you think about it, travelling to the shop, shopping for the ingredients, travelling home again, preparing the meals, eating it, cleaning up afterwards, doing all the dishes, wiping the tables. It's a lot of things to do. This time could instead be spent in intentional prayer and worship. I don't know about you, but the whole process of dinner in my home can take about two hours. By the time dinner is prepared, eaten, dishes done, I've got everything packed away, a couple of hours are soon gone. That's quite a lot of time, right? So whatever it is you choose to fast, maybe it's food, maybe it's something else, perhaps think about how much time you spend every evening watching the telly or listening to music, maybe time spent consuming social media. What if, for an hour, an evening, a day or more, that time was spent intentionally and deliberately seeking and worshipping God instead. Another pretty straightforward way that fasting connects us to prayer is literally with our stomachs. The hunger pains can and should point us and help us to focus on God. Every time we feel hungry or we're craving a tasty meal, we are powerfully reminded of our decision to fast, to be hungry in order to point us back to God and to focus on Him and to prayer. I don't know about you, but my stomach is a pretty, good, pretty good at reminding me when I'm hungry. It's not something I can just easily forget. Hence, why it's a great reminder to stop and pray, to seek God, to worship Him, to spend time with Him. Whatever you choose to fast, if you're fasting food, our empty tummies will remind us to pray. Or if you're fasting from TV, that desire to pick up the remote and turn it on, can and should point us towards God. Maybe you're fasting from social media. When the urge to check Instagram comes in, um, it can instead be redirected and focused toward a hunger for God. So while we're on the subject of hunger pains and discomfort, you know what else fasting shows us? When we're in a state of discomfort or hunger, we can see what it is that we long for most. John Piper calls this the negative exposure of the heart. He says this, fasting reveals the measure of food's mastery over us or television or computers or whatever we submit to again and again to conceal the weakness of our hunger for God. In the middle of a fast, maybe you crave to watch a TV series or movie to take your mind off your empty stomach. Maybe you long for that food in the cupboard to satisfy you. Perhaps you even wanted to distract yourself by doing jobs or mowing the lawn or something. Have you noticed what's missing from these examples? It's God. None of these things are inherently wrong. There's nothing evil about mowing the lawn or doing a few jobs around the house or even having lunch. But the desire or longing of our hearts when hungry pretty quickly becomes a desire to not be hungry or to be distracted from the hunger. We can very quickly want to fill it with something other than God. Fasting reveals to us what our hearts truly long for. Instead of focusing us on or towards God, our focus can so easily shift to other things to satisfy us. 
Now, I realise this could be pretty confronting or hard-hitting, but honestly ask yourself, what is it that you long for most? Is it food? Is it distraction? Is it fun? Family? Or is it God? Maybe you aren't too sure. Well, I will say this with full confidence. The answer to that question, what do you long for most? Fasting will most definitely bring forward the answer. Thanks, Mike. So, fasting has two sides to consider. The first is a positive expression of our longing for God, and the second, it reveals a negative exposure of our heart. The positive side is the intentional decision to focus our hearts and seek God in prayer to worship Him and to long for His return. The negative side is it shows is it how it draws out what it is that we truly long for in our hearts. Now, I'm a little reluctant to tell people this, but I have done some fasting this year. Literally the first time in my life that I fasted was just a few months ago. Anyway, I'm telling you this because the negative exposure of the heart that Piper speaks of is a very, very real thing. I found myself, after missing a couple of meals, feeling pretty hungry. I was agitated, I was restless, and I wanted to do anything to distract me from my hunger. What struck me after a little while of feeling this way was how I was so slow to turn to God in this time. I wanted everything else, like watching a movie or mowing the lawn or eating lunch. I wanted things like this so bad in order to distract myself, but I didn't want God. I realised it was not my first port of call. Now it troubled me, and I wanted to do any, it troubled me that I wanted to do anything but stop and seek God when I was hungry. I was convicted and challenged by this. And here's where the desire of a longing for God came into me. I stopped. I prayed and I was still in his presence. I had an open Bible and I'd love to say that I got it sorted out immediately with God and I never felt that way ever again. But the truth is, I'm a slow learner. God is working on me in this area of seeking him first. It was revealed to me by fasting. So there are so many biblical reasons to fast. Fasting is one of a few of the few powerful tools available to Christians. This tool, when used correctly, will reveal what it is our hearts truly long for, particularly in times of hunger pains or discomfort, and it will remind us powerfully and regularly to turn to God in prayer and worship. There is so much more that I want to unpack about fasting, but I'll let John Piper explain to us what biblical fasting is in one sentence. Thanks, Mike. He says this, Ultimately, we fast simply because we want God more than anything this world has to offer us. So we've talked about whether or not fasting is something we should do. We know a little bit about what fasting is and its purpose. Maybe you're now wondering, how and when do I do it? Thanks, Mike. What does Jesus teach in today's Bible reading? Fasting is not something that we do to be noticed by people. So fasting was common as a common practice of the religious people back in the day and often those who fasted were seen as a religious superiority. So Jesus slams this idea and teaches his followers to fast differently than the hypocrites. So these hypocrites that Jesus was referring to were actually the religious leaders of the day called the Pharisees. So the supposed religious or church leaders uh, who were supposedly super spiritual and knew God's law and followed it to a T were doing it wrong. They fasted in order to gain the attention of others and to make themselves look good. Jesus says this is not what fasting is about. So the text describes the Pharisees 
who fast is moping around, having disfigured their faces, and they've clearly done this in a way that would be noticed by others. So disfiguring your face in this context probably meant covering themselves in ashes and dust, neglecting personal hygiene and wearing sackcloth, all of which was done to draw attention to themselves, not God. Jesus teaches his followers to put oil on your head and wash your face. Now, as I used to be a mechanic, I can relate to getting oil on my head. It is not pleasant. This is not what Jesus is saying. Don't go and grab the olive oil and dump it on your head or go underneath some greasy old machine. In the context and culture of the day, he's simply saying, scrub up like you normally would. Clean yourself like you normally do. Clothe yourself like you normally do. Act normally in order to not draw attention to yourself because you are fasting. Don't even give people a reason to suspect that you are fasting. Fasting is something that we do that's between us and God. Now this doesn't mean that fasting with others is a sin or a bad idea. You can and should fast with a friend or spouse, your family, small group or even the whole church. But the intent and the heart behind biblical fasting is to be seen by God, our Father in heaven, not by people. Now I haven't fasted lots, but I have fasted. And let me tell you, I find myself so often wanting to tell people I was fasting at that time. Not because I was super proud of what I was doing or because I felt like I was being very spiritual and pretty great, but because it was hard and I was hungry. And in my experience, people tend to talk when things are different or hard or uncomfortable. Now, this in itself is definitely not wrong. Sharing our struggles and doing life together is important and healthy. But ask yourself, what is the intent of telling people about the fact that you are fasting? Is it to be seen by people as good? Spiritual or holy? Perhaps you're after sympathy or encouragement. I don't know, but I wonder if uh, John Piper's teaching of fasting bringing out the negative exposure of our heart is coming into play here. Maybe we seek affirmation from others more than God himself. We need to be super careful of pride and a supposed spiritual superiority when fasting, which is why Jesus is reminding us in this passage that fasting is not about us, or what others think of us, it is all about God. So fasting is biblical, it's useful, in that it points us and focuses us towards God, and shows us the condition of our hearts. It's to be done quietly, and knowing God himself will reward us for it. I think a good question to ask next is, when should we fast? There are heaps of specific reasons for fasting in the Bible. Now we don't have time to dive into them this morning, but I can at least list a bunch off for you and encourage you to do your own research if this has piqued your interest. So on the next slide you'll see... Oh, can you read it? Oh, hopefully. Uh, There's ten reasons. So, ten reasons, not five. Ten reasons um, in the Old Testament alone of good examples of fasting. So number one, to strengthen the prayer. Number two, to seek God's guidance. To express grief to seek deliverance or protection, to express repentance or return to God, to humble oneself before God, to express concern for the work of God, to minister to the needs of others, to overcome temptation and dedicate yourself to God, and finally to express love and worship for God. Now there is so much we can glean from all this, I know. I encourage you to check out 
whatever Bible passages are attached to each example of biblical fasting that catch your eye. To summarise all these passages, I think I can say this. Fasting has a very unique way of focusing us towards God. Now, this slide will stay up for a while, so it'll make it easier for you to uh, take a photo or have some notes so as not to lose the Bible references. So Jesus teaches us that when we fast, do not do it to be seen by people, but rather, when you fast, do so quietly, giving people no reason whatsoever to suspect that you are fasting. God will see this and he will reward you. God himself will see the unseen and he will reward you. Now you won't get a gold star or a well done sticker or even a certificate, but you will be rewarded in heaven. Are there many other things we could want more than pleasing our Heavenly Father? I want to be crystal clear here though. Fasting is not a golden ticket to heaven. It's not like you need to fast to be a Christian. Just like you don't need to generously give your money away to be a Christian. Nothing other than believing what Jesus did on the cross was for you and for your forgiveness will get you into a right relationship with God. God's grace, love and mercy shown on the cross is what we need to understand and believe. Fasting is one way that we can respond to this grace, love and mercy, as is prayer, worship and a generous heart. All right, let's start wrapping this up. After all this, where does it leave you? Confused? Encouraged? Keen to give fasting to go? Do you have a million questions? To some extent, I hope all of the above are true. Do you want to put yourself in a position to earnestly seek God, to worship him and to rely on him more? Fasting is a good thing to do. Do you want to uncover what it is your heart truly longs for? Fasting is a good thing to do. Now I have to say this, I'm not a doctor and there may well be medical reasons for you not to fast from food. What about fasting from something else? Your TV, your music, phone, coffee, dare I say it. Again, like food, these things are not bad or evil, but they can distract us from God. What if, during a fast, every time that you longed for some food or social media or music or that coffee or whatever you've chosen to fast from, what if instead, for going for these things, you instead went to God in prayer and worship? Why not give it a go? Start small. Skip a meal. Put your phone away during a lunch break. Turn your TV off at the PowerPoint for the evening. I don't know what works best for you, but just give it a go. Put a strategy in place to help you stick to your fast. Think about some worship music you can listen to instead, a devotion or a Bible passage to read. Spend time in his presence and prayer. Journal or write your prayers or thoughts. Do it as a family. Do it individually. Do it in your small group. See what God does. I mean, pathway shed really needs to be covered in prayer. We need God's wisdom going forward. As Peter Atkins' words, I'm going to throw the bomb in the middle of the room and see what happens. I'm going to throw a bomb in the middle of the room and see what happens. I wonder if we should pray and fast as a church about that. So there is so much more to talk about on this idea of fasting. I realise I've only just skimmed the surface and no doubt missed many things for the sake of not talking for hours. Don't be alarmed though. There is an abundance of stuff to read, listen to and watch that covers in great depth the idea and concept of biblical fasting. Check out Isaiah 58, verses 1 to 9. This passage needs a sermon alone. Part of me actually wants to do fasting, part two, next week. And also, check out desiringgod.org. It's a great place to start. 
And it's also worth checking out John Piper's book, A Hunger for God. All these resources are available for free for anyone to download off the internet. Otherwise, come and quiz me. I don't know everything. In fact, I know very little. But I'd be, sh I'd be happy to chat with you and encourage you to consider fasting for yourself. So I'll close off with a quote from John Piper. So I told you I used a lot of his work. He says, thanks Mike, you got it. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and have satisfied. It is because you've nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there's no room for the great. God did not create you for this. There is an appetite for God and it can be awakened. I invite you to turn from the dulling effects of food and the dangers of idolatry and to stay with some simple fast. This much, O oh God, I want you. Let's pray. Lord, help us desire you more than anything. The world has much to distract us from you. We want more of you in our lives. Awaken us in a desire for more of you. In a world that relentlessly tries to take us away from you, help us to hold you tight, to put you first in all that we do, to seek you above all else. Lord, grow us closer to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.